0: Welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. You can read there anytime. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. I also want to let you know that there is a companion podcast to this that covers specifically films of the 1980s. It is called Around the World in 80s Movies. Do a search for it wherever you're listening to this right now, and you'll probably find it. Today we're going to be looking at a thriller with a little bit of suspense and mystery and horror even thrown in. It is called Greta. It's a new movie from Neil Jordan who directs and co-writes the screenplay along with Ray Wright. The main stars of the film are Chloe Grace Moretz and Isabelle Huppert. Maker Monroe gets a sizable supporting role. Colm Fiore, Jeff Hiller, and Stephen Ray are also in the film. This is an R-rated film that does have some violence and disturbing images, and the runtime is an hour and 39 minutes. Now, although the film is called Greta, and it was originally titled The Widow in screenplay form, Chloe Grace Moretz's character, who's a uh, young waitress named Frances McCullen, she's the one we follow most. She's newly relocated to New York City from Boston, although you would think that given her naivety when it comes to protecting herself in a big city that she came from Mayberry and not another big city... Anyway, she's in New York after losing her beloved mother to cancer. Now, Frances happens to be a little bit too nice, maybe a little too accommodating for her roommate Erica's tastes, Erica being played by Mika Monroe. Erica thinks that Frances is going to get taken advantage of by the worst that the Big Apple has to offer, and that niceness does come into play when Frances ends up finding a lost purse that's sitting on a seat in her subway car, and that prompts her to return it to its rightful owner. That owner happens to be a mature Parisian widow who's living in Brooklyn named Greta Hidegg. Now, a little bit of foreshadowing here. Hideg, in Hungarian, I looked this up, means cold or icy or chilling. Now, the two become friends, and that fills a niche in each other's lives. Francis finds a surrogate for her mother in her time of grief, and Greta finds within Francis a surrogate daughter for the one that is no longer living in her vicinity. Francis says she's like chewing gum. She tends to stick around. That's music to Greta's ears. However, something does feel amiss in the relationship that causes Francis to try to end it, and the less than stable Greta does not seem to be taking that separation well. There's way more to the story than that, but I won't get into it because, you know, it's a suspense movie, so you have to go with the twists and turns without knowing too much. Neil Jordan... He's in the director's chair for the first time in seven years here he was writing some books worked on a couple of tv shows in the interim here he is capturing more of those themes that he enjoys in many of his films seclusion isolation personal disconnect unspoken desires he has a special emphasis on non-traditional companionship definitely evident here greta explores the darker side of those feelings when Two of those lonely people finally make a strong connection, and then one of those individuals becomes so repulsed with the other, yet the other cannot seem to let go without getting that feeling that they've longed for back in their lives. This is a semi-novelty in its exploration into the terrifying example of stalking. Here we have the stalker is a woman, of another woman, sort of like the relationship between the two women in the Judy Dench and Kate Blanchett drama Notes on a Scandal, However this one takes the genre more into the realm of a thriller, It's kind of bordering on a black comedy horror film as well, a little bit akin to Hitchcock's Psycho, Psycho also featuring the theme of an unstable and suffocating mother who does not want to share or let her offspring go. There have been other films about female stalkers to be sure. Play Misty for me is one I can think of right off the bat, Fatal Attraction which was very much like Play Misty for me, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, kind of like Fatal Attraction, At least a dozen or two others over the last several decades have come out many of those stalkers are there because they were in an affair with a married man however females can even obsess over other females either rivals or objects of envy you find that in single white female or in the more comedic turn just recently ingrid goes west greta plays in a familiar playground it does try to find a few new nooks and crannies to explore but the distinction between art and artifice is too pronounced in seeing how far the genre can be pushed and the tension and intrigue do begin to suffer as a result now it's in that exploration of a mother figure that jordan does try to find the repulsion mothers are supposed to be caring and nurturing and givers of life at least that's how we tend to envision them but the mother figure in greta Grows dependent on the symbiotic relationship between mother and daughter to the point where she cannot handle the thought of rejection and isolation again after experiencing a certain closeness, especially when she knows that Francis is what she needs and that she knows she's also what Francis has been yearning for as well. Now, Neil Jordan made changes to Ray Wright's original script. That script was once a more standard chiller in which Greta was to be an older woman, an immigrant from Hungary, and without much that might initially attract a young woman like Francis, except she was somebody that Francis felt sorry for. That changes here. Huppert signed on for the role. Jordan ended up rewriting the character to play more towards certain qualities that he felt that Huppert uniquely evokes, including a taste in fashion and food and wine and music that would be more of the kind of persona of a sophisticated Parisian, although with a Hungarian twist here, that Greta may have either had all along or had been trying to evoke artificially by passing off as something that really she had not ever been something that she could use to essentially seduce a much younger woman to want to trust in or perhaps try to emulate her as presented however the story does go far into making greta into a borderline witch figure as you might find in an old fairy tale some comparisons here to bluebeard that's more so than as someone that you could legitimately encounter in the real world of new york city now there is a sense of the familiar in the story of greta there are cinematic sources that lie beyond the macabre fairy tale leanings the Obelique, the one from the 50s anyway that's an example of the tone jordan seems to be striving to maintain along with roman polanski's repulsion which has its illness occurring inside an apartment you can toss in plot elements of hitchcock's psycho as i mentioned especially in the theme of motherhood and captivity and also the 1988 dutch chiller known as the vanishing or spoor loose that involved a trap and a climax involving severe claustrophobia Now in the end we learn that the darkest side of love leads to confinement, of wanting always to possess the other, even if it requires taking sinister steps to achieve that possession, and if not possession, then destruction. Along those lines, Jordan and cinematographer Seamus McGarvey do a wonderful job in showing the progression of that confinement, starting off with expansive shots of the city, clear and free, while Frances' personal space seems to be getting smaller around her as the film progresses and she feels more confined. The colors and the lighting also change from the more realistic in appearance to more dark and Baroque as the story goes full tilt toward the grotesque in its climax. And the problem with setting up Greta as a modern thriller is that Neil Jordan as a filmmaker is inherently classical in his approach. He's far more reverent to movies that were made around the mid 20th century than he is of most of what has come out in the genre within the last 40 years. And certainly he's not all that concerned about what everyone else is doing today. It definitely doesn't feel like it fits in with the world of cinema today, not that he really needs to, but by trying to be relevant and chic to audiences that are of Chloe Grace Moretz or Macon Monroe's generation, and still trying to play in the same sandbox crafted by the likes of Hitchcock and Clouseau and Polanski, the tone ends up being a little bit off until it finally breaks down when its narrative finally bites off more than it can chew in terms of exploring its titular character's methods and madness. So by the end, we're left with a feeling of not knowing what to feel about this movie that wants us to explore these themes seriously while also trying to take it as a fun time exploring genre. The result is camp instead of terror due to its absurdity, and yet the buildup never really establishes its pocket universe early on as a place where such absurdity can and would happen. This is a B-movie with art house sensibilities, and it ends up being akin to watching a chef prepare what looks like will be an incredible filet mignon, and then what you actually get served seems more like a sloppy joe. The music in this film does give some clues early on as to Greta's state of mind. Before we ever meet her, we were listening to a song on the soundtrack, it's a 1963 cover song from Julie London called Where Are You, and that gives us an eerie clue that there's a search for someone involved though we don't know yet who or why. When Greta plays the piano, she pays allegiance to a certain heritage by choosing a Hungarian composer, Franz Liszt, rolling out Liebestrom No. 3, which means dreams of love, and that fits in nicely with the theme of the film. Greta is an exotic, but she's also a mixed-up fraud, and that adds layers to her personality that repulses the ingenue Frances, who thinks that she's found something real initially, only to realize that she has no idea what she's getting into, and subsequently wants out before she ever really finds out. Greta here is kind of like the person who's been single for so long because they have nothing inherently attractive about themselves so they end up concocting and adopting a slew of interests and talents that they don't naturally possess in order for someone to get close enough to them emotionally to hopefully not care that they've only been pretending to be that alluring and exciting person at least long enough for the object of their desires to not easily disentangle themselves later. The use of cell phones in this film does serve as an interesting narrative device. It's both a way to stay disconnected to the people around you, while also trying to stay connected easily with the people you want to maintain a connection to, even if it is a connection that isn't exactly personal in a physical proximity kind of way. For Greta, she uses the phone in order to actually make an early connection with Francis. She pretends she doesn't really know how to use it, and the helpful Francis can only feel obliged to assist with that task. However, cell phones are also a means for further isolation. There is not the touch or the freedom of in-person conversation or the eye contact. Even those with a lot of friends on social media can feel completely isolated from the world at large without access to the phone. They've come to regard as this pacifier for their own feelings of loneliness, especially when everyone around them is looking into their own phones for their own connections, making them at least during those times when they're out in public seem unapproachable to somebody just wanting to come and speak to somebody in person. And Greta is keenly aware of this dynamic. In a key scene, she becomes a customer in a restaurant that Francis is working in. She knows that Francis can't hide from her there, and she has to even have a conversation with her as a customer, a personal connection, even if it is an awkward one. After some reveals that Greta is a fraud and a bit off her rocker, all of a sudden, We have some very smart people doing some very dumb things in this movie. It culminates in a lot of stalking and attempts to lure Francis into this trap, with Greta hopping onto Francis' stolen cell phone to try to maintain contact with her friends and family in ways that would probably raise a red flag before too long. By the end of the film, the climax evokes another Hitchcock film, Rope, complete with a wooden box containing a body and a piano and a metronome to add tension to that scene. And Neil Jordan's go-to actor Stephen Ray comes sniffing around like a detective Milton Arbogast in Psycho. We all know what happened to him. Stephen Ray plays a friend of Francis's family and an investigator, yet his disappearance does not alert any more visitors to the house And the finale of the movie without spoiling it. It's absolutely preposterous to believe for a variety of reasons, and it dissolves any shred of credibility that Jordan had carefully been cultivating through the first half of the film into a meaningless territory. Now, as there's really little surprise as to where Greta is going to go, all we can do to keep ourselves interested is to observe the performance from Hooper, which may be enough for some critics and some fans of Hooper to give a recommendation to. Now, for those who've never really been exposed to Hooper, this might seem a lackluster performance and not worthy of accolades initially, but you have to give her the benefit of the doubt here. Once you see the film, you'll know that her character is herself an actress Although not a professional, she's speaking in a language that's not her own, twice over. So any awkwardness of delivery you can probably attribute to that facet. And if you are a Hooper connoisseur, you probably are not going to be surprised at seeing her come unhinged in this movie. She's done it before. She's even done it better. She exposed herself far more vulnerably and raw in The Piano Teacher, to which Greta echoes by actually having her as a piano teacher in this film, And she's been more menacing before, for instance recently in her Academy Award-nominated role in Elle. And while Greta is a film that's rife with potential themes, where it airs is in trying to have its cookies and eat them too. Neil Jordan sets the story in the perceptible real world and then tries to build this campy fable on top of it, while also trying to make a film that is both artistic as well as a commercial hit. And unfortunately, these are all great tastes that don't exactly taste great together, If the recipe is just not right and while jordan has made his share of notable and acclaimed films in the past his grasp on what it takes to play audiences like a piano falls significantly short of hitchcock who created the art and the techniques for which he created his entertainment regardless of how many times the piano teacher within the film tries to show francis how the notes just don't seem to come as easily Jordan here, he probably either needed to embrace the madness or to dissect it, but he fumbles instead of juggles the too many balls that he's launched into the air by the end. Greta is spelled G-R-E-T-A. Initially, that title looks like it could be G-R-E-A-T if you're looking at it from afar, but once you get close enough, you'll find that it goes in the opposite direction of where it should toward the end, and maybe that's why it's called Greta and not great. My ultimate feeling toward the film is as Greta herself says in the film when she gets a Chablis in a key restaurant scene and says to Francis it's like you it promises a lot and then disappoints it's pretty much Greta in a nutshell we deserve better especially when you're going to get this cast and this director you're expecting a better film than this even though it's a watchable film it's certainly enjoyable on a certain level It's not one I can fully get behind, so I'm going to give Greta two and a half stars out of four. Two and a half stars on my scale means that it had the tools, it had the talent to be a worthwhile film for most people, and yet I do think it falls short. There's certainly going to be an audience for this film. Unfortunately, I don't count myself among them. Maybe I've seen a little bit too many films just like this in order to be that titillated by it. So in the end, I can only give it two and a half stars out of four thanks everyone for listening i hope that you enjoyed this review if you did i do encourage you to click the subscribe button if you have any of your own thoughts on greta and you want to let me know about them you can find my contact information at my website quipster.net qw dot until next time thanks everyone and i hope you enjoy your time anytime you get to go to the movies